0: In John chapter 5, verses 1-15, through 15, we have the record of Jesus healing a man at the pool of Bethesda. In the setup, we're told that Jesus was in Jerusalem to attend one of the Jewish feasts, and that while he was there, he visited a pool where sick people were brought, hoping to be healed by its waters. Verses 3 and 4 say that a great multitude or a large number of people with a variety of illnesses was perpetually gathered there, waiting for the water to be stirred up, with the belief that if they were the first into the pool following one of these stirrings, they would be healed. We're also told that this periodic movement of the water was caused by the action of an angel. But please note, that it does not say that God was behind this. In fact, there's nothing in either the testimony of the Bible or the ministry of Jesus to support the idea that we have a God who toys with people like that. On the other hand, that's exactly the kind of thing Satan would do. Now, I think it's clear that this was a situation where the devil was cruelly exploiting people's superstitions by preying on their desperation. The Greek word translated here as angel simply means messenger. But the Bible uses it for both God's angelic messengers and Satan's demons. And it's the context of the specific scripture passage that clarifies which one is meant. And I think, based on what I've already said, that the word is used here to describe demonic action. I think it's highly likely that somewhere in the history of this place that a mythology began to develop about its healing qualities. There are many places that have a similar healing mythology even in our world today, and they attract people who have no other hope. I think the waters of Bethesda would periodically be stirred up by demons just to keep this false hope alive to torment people. Now with that understanding in the background, we're introduced in verse 5 to a man Jesus is going to heal. And what I'd like to consider as we begin our examination of this event in Jesus' ministry is that this man is clearly not dying. He's been sick for 38 years. But more importantly, he's not really living either. And I have a feeling that you may be able to relate to that. I know I can. I know what it's like to be alive but not really living. Not experiencing the life Jesus meant for me. And if that sounds familiar to you, get ready. The passage before us is going to reveal how we can see our Savior turn that around. And I invite you to meet me here next time to start that journey.